Hello, and welcome to the Fantastic Minds podcast, where classmates Tage, Matt, and Kate discuss science fiction and the geo- geographies of that genre. In today's episode, we'll take a dive into the world of solar punk. So I'd like to start out with the definition of solar punk just before we get into the main meat of today's message. Uh I have a quote that's taken from a magazine named One Zero. It's a tech and science news magazine, and they have a really nice summary about what solar punk is. And I quote, Solar punk is a movement in speculative fiction, art, fashion, and activism that seeks to answer and embody the question, what does a sustainable civilization look like, and how can we get there? The aesthetics of solar punk merge the practical with the beautiful, the well-designed with the green and wild, the bright and colorful with the earthy and solid. Solar punk can be utopian, just optimistic, or concerned with the struggles en route to a better world, but never dystopian. As our world roils with calamity, we need solutions, not warnings. Solutions to live comfortably without fossil fuels, to equitably manage scarcity and share abundance, to be kinder to each other and to the planet we share. At once a vision of the future, a thoughtful provocation, and an achievable lifestyle. So with that quote in mind, we can definitely tell that solar punk is a hopeful movement. In fact, it's a term that was created by by an author named Alexandra Rowland in 2017, the uh, word hope punk, and that's H-O-P-E. And as we'll talk about today with uh, myself, as well as Tage and Matt, um, this is one of the most optimistic forms of aesthetics that we can see in science fiction. All right. Hi, everybody. So the media I will be talking about today uh, is an episode from the series with the 10th Doctor of Doctor Who um, called The Waters of Mars. Uh, It aired in 2009 uh, and is set in the year 2059 on planet Mars. So in this episode of Doctor Who, the Doctor travels to Mars to relax um, and ends up being captured by a robot um, and is taken to this interrogation room and is interrogated by a group of scientists that have been attempting to colonize Mars. During this interrogation, the doctor has a striking realization that he is actually uh, on the planet Mars in a base called Bowie Base 1, which on that date and time exactly mysteriously exploded. And so not wanting to break the laws of time and interfere with a fixed point in history, uh, the doctor goes along with the interrogator's idea that he is from a rival space exploration team. He then asks if he could leave, which he is promptly denied. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, he wasn't allowed to leave, so he ends up in a plot where a mysterious virus has taken over crew members, which causes them to spew water out of their orifices. Uh, Very scary stuff. And as the episode continues and they try to find this virus and avoid it and escape planet Mars and get back to Earth, 
um, the remaining uninfected members get into the shuttle and narrowly escape um, contracting this virus as it takes over some of the remaining survivors. The doctor then runs back to the base using the robot that first uh, captured him and materializes the the TARDIS in the command room and saves the remaining survivors that were stuck in the the Bowie Base 1 just before it explodes. However, doing this, the doctor interfered with a fixed point in history. And so when he returns back to Earth, he's walking away and the commander of the base that he saved uh, mysteriously commits suicide. But this leads to the resurgence of space travel and exploration by the captain's granddaughter. In the future, as the episode closes out, it shows the daughter leading the human civilization into the next stretches of uh, space exploration. So, yeah, it was a really interesting episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is Kate here. I was just wondering, I think there is sort of a parallel between the grandmother or the granddaughter of the woman who committed suicide in this episode of Doctor Who, who is like the only one living. And she is kind of like a hero and she goes into space. And that kind of reminds me of, I pardon my butchering of this um, Japanese name, Nausicaa? Nausicaa. Nausicaa, yeah. So that was the girl in um, Valley of the Wind. And she was the only one of her family to live to maturity. And she's kind of seen as a hero um, cleaning up the town that she lives in. Um, It just reminded me a lot of that, how like the future generations are striving after the same goal. For example, in this Doctor Who episode, it's the granddaughter. In this one, it's the uh, princess girl, so. Yeah, I completely agree. It's something that I've noticed in a lot of like solar punk media is this idea of the future generations building off of what the previous generations couldn't um, and doing it in a more ethical and um, like environment, environmentally friendly way, um, especially in, in Nausicaa, um, the way that... Um, the main character, she doesn't strive for war so much as just peace. And there's a lot of communication with the environment that we see in that, um, which I, I could definitely see um, happening in this episode of Doctor Who, um, though they don't go into that. But that is, that's the kind of feeling that you're, you're left with at the end of this episode, which... Mm-hmm really led me to um, breaking this down as a, as a media of solar punk. Another thing I noticed um, with this episode was, and a lot of other um, solar punk um, media, uh, including Nausicaa, um, is the, the use of the, the virus trope. Um, but this virus was, it seemed a lot, it was a lot different for me um, when I looked at it because it, it had a lot more environmental impact because there's this, this scene towards the end of the film or the uh, episode, sorry, 
Um, as the, the remaining survivors are trying to escape and the doctor is trying to um, get the, the trapped survivors in the, the base out, uh, where the infected crew members are screaming at the ice blocks on Mars and their screams, because they're enhanced by this virus, end up breaking these ice blocks, glaciers, and uh, begin the flood of Mars. So it's interesting how this virus was a lot more connected with the environment than just a virus that, you know, only affects humans. This virus also has obviously very severe environmental impacts. So that was another kind of, on the darker side of uh, solar punk um, uh, thing that I noticed. All right, everybody. So I am going to be talking about the difference between solar punk and cli-fi. And I guess kind of some of the similarities that they share as well. So as Kate said right in the beginning, solar punk is kind of this futuristic look into a more optimistic and hopeful society kind of a you know climate change is happening you know we're kind of the cause of it to be completely honest and there's hope we can change it we can become more sustainable and stuff like that whereas cli-fi is seen as more of a, a darker version of this and kind of its predecessor as well there's a lot of um, cli-fi films and just general media that's this dark the world is ending because of our you know our choices that we made and fossil fuels are terrorizing the environment which they are don't get me wrong but yeah so um like i said one of the big things in solar punk is this this idea of optimism um and that there is hope for the future and i think this comes out of it being more of a recent um view because everyone is trying to change and obviously the past ways of we're all doomed for failure hasn't gotten us to change any of our ways yet so this idea of an optimistic look into our impending future is really nice and refreshing almost so you can see this um kind of this divide and how the um, these two genres are viewed and a lot of the media associated with them so whenever I think of cli-fi, immediately I think of the dark and kind of horrible things that are going to happen with climate change, you know, drastic shifts in our environment and stuff like that. So the first thing that pops to my mind is a movie, actually, um, called The Day After Tomorrow. So this movie came out in 2004, and it's centered around a paleoclimatologist named Jack Hall, and he discovers that there's a huge ice sheet that is sheared off. So he goes to warn the vice president along with another scientist that, hey, you know, bad things are going to come. There's climate change, drastic climate change that's imminent, and it's because of our fossil fuel usage and consumption and stuff like that. So long story short, hopefully you've seen it by now. It's been out for 16 years, but the world ends up going absolutely bananas. There's giant twisters that take out big cities, huge earthquakes that just split the earth you know, split the plates in half of the of the earth. And then there's this huge flood, um, and it takes over New York City, floods the entire city, and then everything freezes. So this is kind of a big, you know, holy crap, this could happen type of thing. 
Um, and it's really dark. The movie is kind of, it's a thrilling style movie, actually. I don't know if you guys have seen it at all. I haven't. Yeah, I have not. Um, I definitely do recommend it. But, yeah, it's, just, it's a really dark view. And the other comparison I want to make to Solar Punk would be Valley of the, uh, Nasasaka Valley of the Wind, which we watched in our class, which mm-hmm. Kate also mentioned earlier. And even the art style of that film is so much more joyous and hopeful as compared oh, yeah. to... A, a lot of um, things in the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kate. Yeah, I think it was like only a couple of minutes in, and I knew that it had this sort of aesthetic of solar punk. Everything from the bright, vivid colors to a lot of those more earthy greens that we see, like a very environmental feel to it. Definitely um, had like a lot of trees and stuff, and I think that's something that's very reminiscent of the solar punk genre. Is you see that it is lighter and like how in like the sort of content and it literally looks lighter like it doesn't have that doomy kind of ashy glow all around like on the set or whatever um although this was animated it was very bright and had that cheery feel to it right and that's something that's really characteristic of the solar punk genre that we've seen so far and um everything that we've covered is it's just there's hope involved with it Mm -hmm. Um, So I actually found an article on Rewire. This is written by Lynn Pesco Yang. And the idol is called What You Can Learn from the Solar Punk Movement. Um, This was written in November of 2018. And it actually just kind of goes into kind of a little scratches the surface of what it is and how we can kind of become more solar punk-y, I guess is the best way to put it. So one of the um, parts in here is why focus on solar because solar punk obviously it's you know solar but i'll read you this quote unlike natural gas and other fossil fuels sunlight is almost universally accessible and relatively easy to convert into other forms of energy meaning not only reduced dependence on non-renewable resources whose extraction and consumption actively harms the environment but also reduced dependence of individuals on exploitive energy systems like the electrical grid so this quote is actually it's where the world is heading right now, which is extremely cool. There's coming out with a lot more ways to, for everyday people to get involved in solar. They're not huge investments. Um, electric car sales are almost exploding right now, actually. It's becoming a more and more popular option for people. And it, it's really nice that this kind of solar punk movement seems like it's going along with our trend of, hey, we're trying to get our stuff together here at, fix the earth a little bit so it's really cool the whole solar punk movement and there's actually a lot that you can do as just an everyday person to kind of help this movement obviously you don't have to you know invest in solar panels right now and buy an electric car because i don't think any of us have the spare change lying around (laughs) to just do that definitely not (laughs) yeah but there's a lot of things you can do like um especially with Uh, the pandemic happening right now a lot more people are starting backyard gardens and stuff like that trying to become a little more sustainable on their own rather than relying on the supermarket to um, bring them their food and just kind of you know the old saying reduce reuse recycle just Mm -hmm. you know lowering your overall carbon footprint on the earth and it's really easy to get involved in this movement and it's something Mm -hmm. that I think everybody should kind of try to do yeah something that I talked about in a class I had last semester, um, which we talked a lot about environmentalism in the class, 
and we talked about how people, even living, living in this city, um, you might think they have the excuse of, well, there's not enough space for them in their tiny apartment to grow gardens. Um, but there's actually a lot of things coming out for vertical gardens. So you can grow things like going up, not necessarily out and wide, but having them vertical and stacked. And I think that is just such a great way. And it's, um, it's a really easy means for just like everyday people who aren't like doing gardening as a career to have it. it's pretty low maintenance, you know, grow your plants. And that's another good way, uh, vertical gardening for even the people in the cities. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. And what's better than eating something that you could grow yourself, right? Right. Yeah, it's very rewarding. Alrighty, this is Kate here, and then um, this last segment, um, I would like to talk about how solar punk has influenced our popular um, media. One such example comes from the Music Land, and I don't know about any of you guys. Have you heard about the band Electric Light Orchestra? They're one of my favorites. They were in like the 70s and 80s. Yeah. I'm getting some head nods. Yeah. I thought, yeah. I, I thought I didn't, but then you played like one and a half seconds of the song, and I'm like, oh yeah, I know this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I bet the listener is curious about what song that is exactly. Um, so it would be Mr. Blue Sky. It's a song that Electric Light Orchestra did. And it's something that I was thinking about when thinking about solar punk, really optimistic. And guys, this has the lyrics like, um, see how the sun shines brightly in the city on the streets where once, where once was pity. Mr. Blue Sky is living here today. So it's talking about there was this possibly like this tragedy that happened where the sun wasn't out for a long time and this, and the sky was dark. And then now all of a sudden it's a lot more hopeful and, um, it's out and everybody is playing and having a good time. So I would like to play a little bit of this song here. So I'll have you listen to it. song it's so upbeat it's so cheerful um there was a lot of dancing going on when we were playing that um the in the chorus it says I think this is something that's so interesting we could talk about this for such a long time it says Mr. Blue Sky please tell us why you had to hide away for so long where did we go wrong please tell us why you had to hide away for so long where did we go wrong so kind of like Cli-Fi. It's admitting that the people, the society, did something wrong to um, make it the sky dark and not blue. And it's kind of wondering what they did wrong, maybe how they could fix that, how they could go about shaping a better future generation. So that's one of my favorite songs. Now that I think about it more in the solar punk genre, I just love it all the more. Like it adds so much meaning instead of being this like cloyingly positive song. It's really interesting. Um, so another thing that I'd like to talk about 
that you may not think about at first when you hear the word solar punk is that of fashion. So it shows up a lot in the fashion world. Um, and I was looking at a couple of like fashion shows where they have um, this sort of themes of solar punk like in the designs of the clothing. For some of them, um, well, a lot of the clothes look very bright and they have a lot of eco-friendly uh, designs. So whether it be like some recycled materials that the clothes are made out of, um, that kind of thing. Um, they are also have like really bright colors. So there's a piece and I'm blanking on the name of the fashion show or the designer. Um, it's not terribly important in this context who it was because I never heard of them before. Um, but it was like a pink dress and it faded into a coral and it was reminiscent about how the um like underneath the sea the coral in there and you know that stuff that can be dying out due to like pollution and that kind of thing um so it was a nod towards that and it's talking about how um well it shows like how beautiful the environment is and that sort of thing so who knew that you could find it in fashion as well also another realm that you can find this elements of um solar punk aesthetic is in the world of architecture there is a Belgian architect named Luc Shreten, and I'm really sorry if I mispronounce that. He's 76 years old from Brussels, Belgium, and if you look at his artwork, it's very much um, has a lot of the aesthetics of solar punk, so it's very bright. It looks a lot like um, some of the images that we saw in the movie Valley of the Wind. So I'm just going to show it to Tajan Matt just to, these are some of his artworks like that. So a lot oh, of green, yeah. tall buildings um, where there's like a lot of plants in the buildings. Yeah, and, a lot of integration between architecture and its environment. Mm -hmm. And yeah. yeah, it's really similar to, even when you just Google solar punk and you look at images, you can kind of see these buildings like these vast skyscrapers covered in like plants and stuff like that and mm -hmm. that's I mean exactly what this is right and another thing that's interesting this one says stained glass solar panels and a lot of this is like with the renewable resources and energy and so you'll see a lot of solar panels that kind of stuff um, so yeah uh, fashion and architecture and art forms are all different realms that we see solar punk being influenced and music like we talked about with electric light orchestra um, so it's definitely all around us and in my opinion I prefer it to clarify because instead of being weighed down by the dread and the despair that clarify so often brings to its readers um, solar punk kind of offers the best way out and it says this is what the world could look like if we do our part and we keep enhancing it generation uh yeah it looks like Tej has something to add yeah and I completely agree with that in, in the sense of like wrapping this up the the combination of cli-fi and solar punk when used together it, it really creates a, a very realistic um, idea of what our future could look like Mm -hmm. It's not out of the realm to to see this integration between environment and our existence that solar punk puts forth um, in our future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I don't think it's too far-fetched or like 
too out there where it's like every everyone will be living in the clouds and eating rainbows it it definitely it like uses what's already here in conjunction with like metals and stuff to build houses and glass but it just it does it in a way that's very beautiful and harmonious and I'm here for it like I would love to read more about this yeah not to backtrack at all but this um the caption for this painting that he's done that has the uh, stained glass you know um, solar panels that is probably a very realistic way that we're heading especially as solar panels become more integrated and more affordable for people like the customization option options and trying to make like aesthetics a lot more pleasing with this stuff seems like it'd be a really good step after it becomes affordable and it's just it's cool to see that represented Mm-hmm. definitely yeah. i agree yeah like i was saying like this is not and kate was saying this is not something that's so far out we're not living in the clouds it's definitely a a feasible manner in which humanity could continue on earth uh living more harmoniously with the environment that we're in instead of destroying it constantly we work with it mm-hmm. using the sun and these renewable energies uh, in a in more aesthetic way yeah, definitely. Okay. It almost reminds me of those artists who create art using natural elements and it eventually disappears. Like there was this artist who made hundreds and hundreds of these ice little, I think they were like little ice men and she put them on the steps outside of a really hot day and they melted within minutes. And as they're like um, ice bodies kind of slumped over, it was showing like it was a message about climate change. It was just, but even the way that that artist used like these natural resources versus like making them out of something that would just go into a landfill, it's really telling about like how we can still have fun and enjoy our lives in a way that's not hurting the environment in yeah. the end. And yeah. I think that, that right there is the essence of solar punk. We mm-hmm. can still live our lives and enjoy it to the fullest without hurting the environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's going to be very sustainable and long-lasting. Yeah. Alrighty, yeah. So that is the end of our episode topic for today. Uh, we really hope you enjoy, and we will see you for our next one.